You're listening to the Emotional Abuse Recovery Podcast, episode number 50. So today the podcast is all about feeling indifferent toward your ex. And I hear this all the time when people who come to me just want to feel indifferent. They don't want to have the anger and the hatred and they don't want to feel connected to them in a loving way either. So I'm going to go through some things that you can do to help you achieve this in the fastest way possible. If seeking indifference is something that you really want, then stay tuned because this episode is for you. Welcome to the Emotional Abuse Recovery Podcast, a podcast specifically designed to help you heal after a toxic or narcissistic relationship. This podcast teaches you to use your subconscious mind to go from feeling stuck to set free. In here, you will learn how to use the power of your own mind to free yourself from emotional pain, move forward with confidence, and experience the inner peace you deserve in your healing journey after emotional abuse. I'm your host and subconscious reprogramming coach, Allison Dagny. So let's get started. Okay, so I wasn't always indifferent toward my ex. In fact, I had a lot of hate for him. And if you've read my book, you know this because I wished death on him. Actually, I was really obsessed with him dying and it took up a lot of space in my mind. This goes back to the anger topic that I just talked about on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. So if you haven't listened to that one, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to episode 48 as well. Anyway... I couldn't feel indifferent toward him because I was so consumed with hatred. He had abused me for 20 years. He blamed me for all of our problems. I ended up having no choice but to file for divorce and break up our family because I couldn't live with someone that I hated so much anymore and who I felt like hated me. I couldn't stand to be controlled and criticized and abused and betrayed and I just couldn't do it any longer. So maybe you can relate indifference is the lukewarm feeling. It's not hot or cold. I didn't want to be thinking about him at all. I didn't want to be angry or sad or miserable or frustrated. I just wanted to feel indifferent. So I went from most of my waking moments dreaming about his death during our marriage to also dreaming of it in my sleep. And after I escaped him, I was still thinking about it because He continued to try to control me. He manipulated the kids. He was filing ridiculous motions with the courts and being totally unfair with our marital funds and stingy with child support. So was I angry? Of course I was. So how was I ever going to feel indifferent? It seemed like an impossible task. And as you probably already know, most women trying to recover from a narcissistic or toxic relationship believe that their ex is the source of their problems. They believe that if their ex would just disappear or stop being so narcissistic and toxic, their life would be a-okay. And although this could be true on some level, believing that is giving that person the power to control how you are feeling inside yourself simultaneously as they keep showing up as themselves. So I want you to hear me out on this. You cannot feel indifferent toward your ex if you are wishing they would be different. That in itself is creating an emotion inside you. An emotion of longing, of desperation, of frustration, of anger. When your ex keeps showing up exactly as they are and specifically how they were programmed to show up in this world. 
So if you want to feel indifferent, believing they should be different, believing this person is the source of your emotional pain and suffering only keeps you feeling those negative emotions that you want so desperately to stop feeling. Because I'll tell you, I do feel different now. Um, I don't have these hot or cold emotions. I feel totally indifferent. I don't carry around hate for him anymore. I don't wish his death upon him, neither awake or in my dreams, but I used to, and I was consumed by it. And guess what? He's still doing things that would make most people angry and upset, like dragging me to court unnecessarily, running up my expenses, wasting my time, lying about me to other people, still doing the things he always did. But... I feel indifferent. When you feel indifferent toward your ex, what he's doing doesn't matter anymore. When you experience true indifference, you no longer assign any meaning about what your ex is doing or saying to yourself. You realize that his actions are totally about him, that his words are because of his filter with which he sees the world. You know that everything he's been programmed with since the day he was born has shaped him and his personality. You completely disconnect any attachment of what he does and says to you. You see him as objective rather than subjective, meaning he is who he is. And his actions and behaviors cannot be subjective because of his programming. I often use a barking dog example with my clients who struggle with this. If a dog is barking, why would we expect it to meow like a cat or moo like a cow? Dogs are programmed to bark. That is their program. Whether they sense danger, uh, smell another animal nearby, hear something at the front door, or maybe they're just expressing themselves in the backyard. Dogs bark, right? And expecting them not to bark only keeps us angry and frustrated when they do. We can't feel indifferent to a barking dog if we expect it to do something that goes against its programming. So when I started experiencing indifference toward my ex, I no longer felt this buzzing inside me every time I had to see him or be around him. I practiced so diligently and consistently at removing all the beliefs I had about him and how he should be and what his behaviors meant about me that indifference was the only natural feeling to move in. He became neutral to me. Does he still do things that are annoying? Yes, of course, because he is who he is. But I can know about these things and allow it to pass through my mind and not take up any mental or emotional space in my head or my body anymore. I can focus on my kids. I can enjoy my life and have fun without having these hot or cold experiences of my ex. It becomes neutral and indifferent. So let me ask you, if you believe I'll never be happy because of him. What do you think you will feel like for the remainder of your life? If you said unhappy or sad, you're right. What you believe is your reality. But what if you believed it is possible to be happy even though he's still him and even though he might still be around? If your first inclination is to resist and say, no, 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 it's impossible to be happy. I'll only be happy if he's out of my life. I want you to know, That is your conscious mind stepping in because you've been replaying this tape in your mind over and over. I'll never be happy. I'll never be happy. The conscious part of your mind, it has a difficult time changing the tape 
because it's been repeating this on habit over and over. It's ingrained in a neural pathway in your brain. So resisting, having this feeling of resistance is normal. But if you want to change it, you can because your brain has the capability to change those neural pathways with some effort and practice on your part. I'd love for you to think about this. Is there anyone you know whose ex is quite difficult, maybe abusive, maybe toxic, and the other person is still able to be happy? Reflect on this. This is important because this is how you start to move those neural pathways in your own brain. Who can you think of? A parent, a friend, a sibling, a neighbor, a celebrity? When you come up with these other possibilities in your own mind, that is actually what starts changing the tape. That intentional thinking activity that you are doing, looking for these possibilities, even when it's hard to think, is exactly the action that makes that neural pathway jump the tracks. So when it feels difficult, it's because the brain gets used to patterns and habits and you're asking it to do something different. But the amazing part about this is that once you show your mind a few other distinct possibilities, that is what becomes the new automatic thought habit. And it loosens the grip on what was causing you to feel angry or frustrated or anything except indifference. Not only is the resistance because of that repetitive thought habit that plays in your mind on repeat, it's also because of what releasing it could mean to you specifically. For instance, a lot of women struggle to let go of the hot or cold emotions, even though consciously they want to, because it will mean things like, my marriage didn't matter if I feel indifferent towards him, or I wasted so much of my life if I don't care. If you hold on to those kinds of thoughts on repeat, then of course it would be more difficult to experience indifference. But what if you could look at it a little bit differently? What if you considered that your marriage mattered deeply when you were in it and you worked tirelessly to make it work with therapy and effort? What if you showed yourself just how much your marriage did matter while you were married and realized that you can now let that go? And what if instead of believing you wasted so much of your life, if you now all of a sudden feel indifferent? What if you look at the parts that were not wasted, like the fun you had on vacations every year or the children you brought into the world and all the deep and lasting lessons you have from that relationship that you'll never forget? What else was not wasted? So you can prove that you, in fact, cared a lot, but give yourself permission to care no more. Okay, so... I have some reflection questions I want to share with you, but before I do, there are three important things I want to make clear, so you might want to write this down if you have a pen. Number one, this did not happen overnight, and it will not happen overnight for you. I want to make sure I'm giving you this realistically. This took practice for me to get here, daily practice. So if you don't like to put in the effort, this is not for you. If you're not determined to feel indifferent, this is not for you. If you can't commit to sitting down for 10 to 15 minutes a day and writing, this is not for you. Number two, you're going to have to get real with yourself. I'm just going to give it to you straight. You're going to have to look at some parts of yourself that you don't really want to. Maybe some parts that you don't even know exist yet. You're going to have to peel back all the fluff and face your own inner demons and your ego. And this is not the fun part. It's actually very uncomfortable. 
to put it lightly. Number three, if you really want to feel indifferent toward your ex, you need to know that it takes action. It will not happen by waiting for time to pass. Your ex is going to keep on being him. He's not changing. So you're going to have to accept that and take action to move toward indifference for yourself. Some of this action includes things like meditation, breathing exercises, and visualization, but the most impactful part is rewiring your mind with subconscious reprogramming. The other stuff just helps along the way. So everyone wants to know how, so I'll do my best here. The first thing you have to do if you want to feel indifferent towards your ex is to identify the emotion that comes up when you're thinking of him. Here's why. I felt anger. But you might be feeling something different, like guilt or regret or shame or sadness, fear or longing, maybe something else. Your emotion is specific to your circumstances and not everyone's will be the same. The emotion is why you can't feel indifferent to him. So that means we have to change the emotion. But we can't change the emotion if we don't know what it is that we're feeling. So get really relaxed. Lay in your bed, sit on a couch, turn on some soft music or rain noises or whatever relaxes you and think about what emotion comes up the most. Then write it down. I cannot emphasize this enough. Pen to paper, always. If you aren't willing to do this, it's going to be way harder for you to just try processing this in your head. I have found at times that I think I'm feeling one specific emotion, but after I start writing, I realize it was something different. So you have your emotion. After that, vent it out on paper. Do this like you would vent to your best friend or your mom or someone you, you care about. Vent it out on paper. Don't judge what you're writing. If you are feeling strong emotions toward your ex like I did, then just write it down. You can burn the paper later if you're worried someone might see. Do you think I could have written my book, a five-star best-selling book, if I was worried about what people thought about my innermost secrets, that I wanted my husband to die a tragic death and that I obsessed over it? No. I knew there were other people out there with secrets just like mine, so I stopped judging myself. I wrote it out anyway. I shared this with the world. All you have to do is share them with yourself on paper. So that's what I want you to do. Vent out your emotions on paper and don't judge yourself. Judgment is an activity of the conscious mind. And to feel indifferent, we have to work in the subconscious mind. And you won't get anywhere fast if you're judging your thoughts. Okay, next is go back and look at all the words that you wrote down and pick out one or two things that are really obvious judgments to you. They can be judgments about yourself or judgments about others or the world. Maybe you wrote that you're mad at yourself because I'm so stupid for believing him, right? Circle that one. I'm so stupid. That's a belief that you have. Then find another one and circle that too. You can easily identify them because they start with I am or they should or he shouldn't, can't, won't, need to. Things that are sort of in the affirmative or in a judgment frame. Next, you're going to poke holes in that particular belief or that particular story. Here's where you have to be your own best friend. Take two roles here. The friend who feels stupid and the friend who knows you're not. Be the friend who knows you're not and convince yourself why you're not. Now, you can't be the friend who comes with fluff and blowing smoke. You have to bring evidence and proof. 
You have to bring specific examples of how you most definitely know that you're not stupid. So when your conscious brain starts to interrupt and say, but, but, but I am stupid because you believed him and you saw the red flags, right? No, no, no. We're going to cut that voice off immediately. We are just going to show your mind some specific evidence of how you're not stupid. Did you graduate high school with honors? Did you go to college? Did you start a business? What are some proof, proof and evidence examples that you can show yourself and show yourself them? It's funny because in my coaching program with my one-on-one clients, one of the very first things I tell them is that I will interrupt you. And I don't do this to be rude or because I don't want to hear the story. I do it because I know when the conscious mind is speaking versus when the subconscious mind is. So I'm trained to listen for it and to stop it in its tracks. And you can do this too. It just takes a little bit of practice. So you will do this not only for the onesies and twosies that you vented out, but for all of them. You just need 10 minutes a day. So don't get overwhelmed and try doing it all at once. Just be patient with yourself. Okay, so now that that's out of the way, you can add in some other things like meditation and breath work. What these things do is relax the mind to help relax that fight or flight response in your body. If you're hesitant to do some of these things, I'll tell you right now, just try it. Give it a try. Try two minutes. Try 10. Just try something. There is science-backed evidence that these things help tremendously with calming our nervous system. So pair this action with subconscious mind practices and you'll feel the shift. This is the feel-good part of feeling indifferent toward your ex. So use it because you're going to want to since the thing I'm going to give you next is not that. It's highly uncomfortable, but as you probably already know, change doesn't occur during comfort and you're going to have to get really uncomfortable here. Okay, stay with me on this. This is a part that no one really likes, discomfort. But this part can be magical if you let it. Start by taking inventory of your flaws. Now, I want to be really, really clear here. This part is not to create judgment or to beat yourself up. It is a realistic look at what you need to change in your life. Things that you are not okay with about yourself. Things you know are holding you back. So I'm going to give you some questions to answer. And if you'd like to have these in a PDF form, just send me a message and I will send them to you. And then you can print them out and write down your answers. But I'm going to go through them now here for you. So number one, who do I want to be in six months from now? Number two, what characteristics and traits does that person have? Number three, What does this person do on a daily basis? Number four, how does she look? How does she behave? Number five, what does she believe and think about? Then answer these questions. Number one, how am I failing to be the highest version of myself? What do I do not do that keeps me from being that? Number two, Are there themes that other people in my life have revealed to me that I need to inspect? Three, have I asked people in my life how I can show up better for them? Number four, what habits do I have that keep me from being that highest version of myself? Five, in what areas of my life do I need to say no more to reach that version of myself? Number six, What beliefs do I carry that do not serve me to becoming my best self? Seven, 
What toxic behaviors do I have that impact others around me and myself? Eight, if I continue on this path I've been on, what do I expect to change? And nine, what action steps do I need to take right now to become the highest version of me? Okay, so this writing exercise will look different for everyone, but it will be very revealing. This will help you uncover things about yourself you might not have ever thought about or inspected. What happens here is you go inward. You're focusing on you instead of the person or people who hurt you. You are prioritizing yourself. You are creating more self-love and self-acceptance. Remember, self-acceptance is really just an action to fill yourself up with love exactly as you are without judgment, regardless of what you've done or haven't done, regardless of how you fit into society or other norms and expectations. The more you focus on you, the less you have room or emotional bandwidth to focus on those who harmed you. All right, so let's recap from today. Start looking at things in a different way, through a different lens. This is really important because if we're going to change those neural pathways, we have to actually start looking at things differently. How might other people look at it? The next thing you want to do is vent. Vent out all your emotions and all your frustrations. Put it on paper and be your best friend, right? Be your own best friend to help you argue for a different story and come with proof and evidence. Then what you can do here is answer some of these self-discovery questions that we just went over. Get really clear about who you are and what you want and need to be the best version of yourself you can. Most people rarely do this and it's like, going on a road trip to a destination without a map. To know who you are and where you want to be, you have to know yourself intimately, flaws and all, without judgment. And remember, self-acceptance without that judgment goes a long, long way. When you accept you and focus on yourself, you leave less room to focus on your ex and feel indifferent. I hope this has been helpful to you. And if you would like individual, one-on-one, trauma-informed support in my coaching program, please reach out to me and schedule a free consultation. The link is in the show notes, or you can message me on Instagram or Facebook. Talk to you next week. Thank you for being here with me today in the Emotional Abuse Recovery Podcast. I hope you found value here with me. If this podcast episode was helpful to you, I'd love for you to hit subscribe and leave me a review. My goal is to help you go from feeling stuck to set free. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook, and you can check out whentearsleavescars.com for more resources and information to help you with your own emotional abuse recovery. Until next time, here's to believing in